This is the Education Exchange with Paul Peterson. I am the senior editor at Education Next. Thank you for joining us. As the pandemic recedes, many states and school districts are reinstating the annual tests and reading and math that they have used to see whether students are measuring up to the performance standards that have been set. A decade ago, many states adopted Common Core state standards. These were supposed to lift student performance to the highest levels in the world. The Obama administration lent its support to the idea when it encouraged states to adopt them as part of its race to the top. But Common Core standards soon became embroiled in political controversy with the Tea Party and the Trump campaign expressing stern opposition to what they saw as federal control of the nation's educational curriculum. So what has been the effect of Common Core state standards on student performance? That has been a matter of much conjecture, but now we have a report that really sheds some important light on the topic. Benjamin Harold and Danny Shaquille have now investigated that question and they have come up with some surprising answers. To find out more about Common Core's effects on students across the country, I have Benjamin Harold with me here today. He's an economist at the University of Munich, uh, Danny Shaquille's at the University of Buckingham in Great Britain. The both of them have been uh, connected with our program at the uh, Harvard University, the program on education policy and governance. So it's a, a great pleasure for me to have uh, Benjamin Earl joining me again today on Education Exchange. Uh, Benjamin, thank you for joining us. Thanks so much for having me, Paul. Well, Benjamin, uh, you and Danny Shaquille have done a very careful piece of research and so before going into the details, could you just give me uh, the, um, the headline? What, what did you find? Uh, what was the impact of Common Core on student performance? Well, about a decade after the Common Core was adopted, uh, we looked at did Common Core now succeed in raising student achievement or not? And there we have to differentiate between the targeted subjects, so that's math and ELA, and the non-targeted subjects. Now, ELA, you know, I always call ELA reading because that's what I learned when I was a child. This is okay. class, not this English language arts or ELA. So reading, so it's math and reading. That's what you're, that's what okay. it's all about, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> okay, so what was the impact on, on math and reading of, of the Common Core? Yes, so um, on math and reading, uh, we see slight uh, positive effects on student achievement, um, depending a bit on the subgroup. This finding is also in line with prior studies on the topic. However, what's new in our study is that we also look at the effects of Common Core on student achievement in non-targeted subjects. When you say non-targeted, you mean the other subjects? They... Precisely, yeah. I mean science and social studies. So science, social studies, anything else? No, science and social studies. Uh, the, these are the subjects for which we have data. Science and social studies. So you, what you do then is you look at not only the effect of Common Core on math and reading, which is what Common Core was all about, but you also look at the effect on science and social studies, which were exactly Common Core. It's not even the, what Common Core is about. Precisely. Those were the non-targeted subjects. Um, and here we find a negative effect. So Common Core had a negative spillover on the subjects it did not even target, namely on science and social studies. So Common Core 
had a little positive effect. Is it statistically significant in the parlance of the economists? <laughs> that depends on the level of significance. It's marginally significant for the first years at the 10% level and then not anymore for the later years. So it's barely, barely significantly uh, positive. So just a, a bit. And how about the negative effects? Are they big effects or are they just tiny effects too? Yeah, they're not that tiny. So um, they are about uh, 0.08 units of a standard deviation. And how much is that? Like, that's uh, maybe not so obvious. Um, one can interpret that as a, a loss of learning worth a quarter of a school year. So if we compare so, two students, uh, one uh, who was exposed to the Common Core for their entire school career up until their test date, and another student who was not exposed to the Common Core at all, then um, the student which was not exposed to the Common Core uh, has a quarter uh, to a third of one school year of learning uh, advantage in those non-targeted subjects because of Common Core. So it's, it's a substantial negative effect. I mean, people have been talking about uh, the loss of learning uh, as a result of COVID and they've been reporting something like that for many students, uh, a third of a year loss of learning last year so it could be almost as much as that for over a period of time if the Common Core were in place in their state. Yes, I mean, the number I just gave uh, was comparing students who were exposed to the Common Core for their entire school career, as opposed to not at all being exposed to the Common Core. Um, now, of course, Corona is hopefully not lasting an entire school career of anybody. So I think the numbers there uh, will be larger at the end, um, but still it's substantial. So, well, did what's, what's your, do you have any ink indication of what could have been going on that could have produced this? Yes, I mean, that was a core question we were asking ourselves as well when we saw those negative effects on student achievement in the non-targeted subjects. And so what we did uh, was drawing on teacher survey data to really understand what changed in the classrooms as a consequence of Common Core in these non-targeted subjects. And what we saw there uh, was a decrease in instructional focus on science and social studies. And we can measure this, for example, by instruction time, by instructional resources, or by some dimensions, which we have in the data, on the quality of the interactions between teachers and students. So it sounds like teachers uh, spent less time teaching uh, science and social studies. They, they didn't put as much effort into it. There seems to have been some some just general, you know, pushing these topics to the side. Now, did you get the opposite with math and reading? Did you see teachers spending more time and more energy on that? Yeah, that's a very interesting finding. So uh, we see a positive point estimate, but uh, it's smaller in size. So it's not a one-to-one -one substitution with, for example, instruction time. Um, rather, it seems that uh, for what we don't have data, uh, namely the time teachers spent on um, administrative uh, work um, on, on uh, logistics, uh, maybe also leisure time, uh, we don't know that exactly. Um, that also seems to have uh, increased as a consequence of Common Core because we have this decrease uh, instruction time in this uh, non-targeted. Uh, so it's, you got more of a decrease in time being spent on science and social studies than you got an increase in math and reading. So it wasn't just a transfer from one to the other. There was something lost in the process 
It sounds yes, like. absolutely. Yes, yeah, exactly right. And we see it's most pronounced for the fourth graders for elementary school, where there's most flexibility for the teachers as well. So one conclusion that we draw is that uh, those teachers seem to have gotten the signal from Common Core, okay, now we care about math and reading uh, and less about the other subjects. So they cut on these other subjects and use parts for math and reading indeed, but parts also for other purposes. So you see especially large effects at the elementary level. Do you see any effects at the secondary level? Um, not statistically significant. So we still see this negative sign, uh, but uh, the significance and the size of the effects are most pronounced for the elementary school level. Well, of course, in the high school, different teachers are teaching the different subjects. So that's sort of what you might expect, right? That at the elementary level, there could be the shifting of time, but at the high school level, it's less likely to be uh, a big deal. Yeah, exactly right. That was also our conclusion. So now some people have said that it's really hard to know when Common Core is introduced in a state because they may officially adopt it, but they're not doing anything about it. And it takes them a while to get it implemented. So how did you know uh, when Common Core was introduced into uh, the curriculum and the approach in a state? Yes, that's an excellent question, and we dedicate significant parts of our paper to exactly targeting and nailing that question. Um, so in our first uh, treatment definition, um, and re treatment refers to common core exposure of students, we really only look at whether the state officially adopted the common core. However, whether or then not we have they a actually officially adopted it or not, you didn't yes. sort of say, okay, well, I'm going to count it by what they say they did. Not going to work. Yes. They really did. I'll just count about it. But then you did some further checking. Yes, exactly. So then we have a battery of robustness checks in which we define our treatment differently. Um, one treatment definition looks at whether the state expects teachers to fully incorporate the Common Core in their classroom instruction. Another robustness checks looks at whether the state in question pursued two of the following three Common Core implementation strategies, at least two. Uh, one is professional development for the teachers to bring them up to the standard of Common Core. Another one is on whether the state provides new instructional material to the teachers. And the third one is whether the state joined a testing consortium, whether the Common Core content was also then later on reflected in standardized testing. Well, what happens when you do look at all these more detailed uh, adoption of Common Core? Do you find that the effects are the same as uh, the what you initially observed, or are they even larger? Um, they are about the same, actually. So it depends a bit on the definition we talk about now. I was just now mentioning two. We have also two other definitions where we look at the effective change of um, education standard induced by the Common Core. So in this robustness check, we ask ourselves the question whether the standard that was in place before the adoption of Common Core, was that reasonably different from the Common Core so that it would make an effective difference in education standard. And for all these tests, uh, we find a negative effects on student achievement in the non-targeted subjects throughout the board. Now, as I understand your strategy, the way you found this data was you compared what was happening in the state before Common Core, and then what was happening in the state after Common Core, and then you compare this, that to the same thing that's happening in the states that didn't adopt Common Core. So you yes. whether that there was a change and then what happened as a result of the change as compared to where there were no changes. 
Absolutely, yes. I mean, it's a bit like in medicine. You have a treatment in a control group, and to see whether something works, you need to have those two groups. And in this case, the treatment groups are the states which actually adopted the Common Core. So we can compare a student achievement before and after the adoption of Common Core. But then one could still say, yeah, maybe there were other things changing nationally at the same time. Um, time has passed on before and after the adoption of Common Core. We talk about different calendar years. And to tease that out as well, we put this in relationship to the change in student achievement in states that never adopted the Common Core. So uh, given your findings, what kind of policy recommendations do you think uh, emerge from the study? Yes, um, so I would, the first policy conclusion I, I would make is that education standards uh, per se are probably not a very big driver to increase student achievement uh, because we don't see that in neither subgroup, um, in neither subject, uh, any significant positive effects. Um, furthermore, um, it seems that if at all such a national education standard is supposed to be adopted, it would make sense to adopt this for all subjects to avoid these negative spillovers um, on these non-targeted subjects. I know that's uh, politically challenging. Um, it's not easy. In the US, for example, there's controversies about the history curriculum, about the science curriculum, if we think, for example, about evolution theory, about climate change. But if these uh, subjects were not ignored anymore, um, then um, we would potentially not have these negative spillovers. So you're saying that we should actually probably test all the subjects or maybe none of them and have standards for all or, or none. So I would suggest, if at all, to include all school subjects uh, in the education standard, yes. Well, now, right now in the, in the post-pandemic era, there's a lot of opposition to testing and accountability and there a lot of teachers and the teachers unions are saying, let's just throw it out the window. So doesn't your study lend some support to that uh, recommendation? Well, I mean, our study is specifically about the adoption of the education standard. Um, testing includes something more. Uh, for example, we know from the literature that uh, No Child Left Behind has uh, created some positive effects on student achievement. So I wouldn't say it's the accountability aspect of Common Core, but rather uh, the aspect of the education standard itself. Why do you think the standards had this negative effect on the other subjects as, as compared to just testing in general? So if you had testing in general in math and reading, but not in the other subjects, wouldn't it do the same thing? Yes, I mean, that's, we were also expecting that, but um, the data tells us otherwise. And then if we look at the teacher data, I was saying before, we just see that the moment uh, Common Core kicks in for math and reading, that the instructional focus shifts towards um, away from, from the other subjects, shifts away uh, from student achievement uh, in science and social studies. Yeah, so maybe it's the, that they're just sort of saying, okay, this is what's really important, folks. And so then when you say something's really important, you're really saying something else is not very important. Yes, that's true. I mean, of course, you can make the value judgment and say we don't care about science and social studies in relation to, to math and reading. Um, but I don't think that this was the intention of those who adopted the Common Core. Um, also, um, 
one thing, one finding of the study we have not discussed so far is uh, the subgroup heterogeneities we find. Um, so the, the negative effects on student achievement in these non-targeted subjects are most pronounced for disadvantaged students. Um, here we can look at black students as opposed to white students or other ethnic groups. Uh, we can look at students who receive subsidized lunch status as opposed to those don't receive it. We can look at students who have an English language learner status or even a disability status. And all these comparatively vulnerable groups um, exhibit larger decreases in student achievement in these non-targeted subjects, in science in particular. And I'm sure that it was not uh, intended by the designers of Common Core uh, to uh, cause negative effects in science uh, for these particularly vulnerable groups. Well, did you get more positive effects for these uh, disadvantaged groups in math and reading? Um, no, uh, we don't see any difference between these groups. We just see uh, the negative effect is most pronounced for those groups. And we interpret it the way that once this instructional focus shifts, these groups are most vulnerable. They need the instruction time, they need the instructional resources most. Um, they don't get them anymore for those subjects. And as a consequence, they suffer most in terms of student achievement. Well, so how about the more advantaged students? Do they suffer at all, or is all of the negative effects concentrated on the disadvantaged students? Well, of course, this question depends a bit on how narrowly or widely you are willing to define uh, disadvantaged. Um, in generally speaking, uh, we see that uh, there's also a negative point estimate, but it's significantly smaller, and it's also not statistically significant. So if you look at groups uh, that are maybe uh, white, um, do not um, get subsidized lunch, or are not uh, disabled, have no English, English language learner background, um, then uh, we tend to see very small negative effects that are not significant. So one way of interpreting that is that if you are from an advantaged group, you've got uh, a, a community support for teaching in all these subjects. And so this uh, negative spillover doesn't happen because people know that the community is really insisting that the kids be exposed to all of that material. But if you come from a disadvantaged group, maybe the parents, the families have less political influence and therefore this more likely that you'll get this sort of well, maybe this is not so important kind of uh, feeling upon those in the educational system. Yes, I mean, this interpretation would be consistent with what we find. Um, so we do not have explicit data for political power of certain groups and do not make uh, explicit statements about that. Um, but we certainly see the result that those students uh, suffer the most. Well, it's a fascinating study, uh, Benjamin. It it's, uh, really opens your eyes. So what do you do in Germany? You know, here you are studying a U.S. educational system, but you've gone through another one. What's the accountability system like in Germany? And is it a better design than the one we have in the United States? I'm not sure about that. Um, so uh, interestingly, it's relatively similar, at least on a global scale. So Germany, uh, like the U.S., is also a federal state, uh, and the state has the power, the political power over education. Uh, so we have other countries like France, for example, our neighbor here, where everything is very centralized. Um, but this is not the case in Germany. So in that sense, one can really compare those two systems, the US and Germany, with uh, one another. Um, and here, we also don't have uh, a common core. We don't have a national curriculum. Um, the most centralized element we have is a meeting of um, ministers for education uh, who meet on a regular basis and try to find common ground uh, for what's supposed to be taught in schools. Um, but we do not have a common core as in the US. Well, how do you hold uh, schools accountable in Germany? 
Why don't they just do whatever they want then? <laughs> yeah, so uh, in Germany, schools have far less autonomy. Um, for example, when I came to the US, I was surprised to learn uh, that the schools and even the teachers have so much uh, autonomy over the school curriculum, for example. Like the Common Core gives a guideline um, and standardized testing uh, gives incentives, but at the end of the day, it's uh, really the teachers and the schools which uh, have autonomy over what they teach. In Germany, that's different. Um, the Ministry for Education decides about the content. They decide about the textbooks uh, which are supposed to be used. Um, they also um, write the central exit exams. Um, so in that sense, uh, the teachers are um, are far more restricted in terms of their flexibility. So they, they all teach the same, at least within a state. Uh, between different German states, uh, there are differences. Um, but, but within a state, uh, the teachers do not have that much option to do otherwise. Well, and I, I won't let force you to say this, but I've noticed that the German school system does better than the United States system. So maybe we give too much flexibility at the bottom and we should have a, a more structured system uh, uh, as, in, as in your country. Yeah, that's an interesting conclusion. Um, yeah, maybe the ministries of education could take a little stronger role in uh, governing what's actually supposed to be taught and what's supposed to be happening in schools. Well, the Common Core was supposed to do that, but it sort of, uh, you know, found it difficult to, uh, because of all of the political opposition, which then may have interfered with the effectiveness of the program in the first place. So it's a complicated subject. Uh, thank you very much for this illuminating uh, window on uh, uh, a, a reform that has captured a lot of uh, headlines and a lot of attention in the United States. So thank you for joining me on the Education Exchange, Benjamin. Thanks so much for having me. It was a pleasure, Paul. I've been speaking with Benjamin Erold, an economist at the University of Munich. He and Danny Shaquille of the University of Buckingham in Great Britain have just released a major paper on the Common Core, which shows that student performance in math and reading, the two subjects in which standards are set, did not improve. Student performance did not improve significantly in these two subjects, but it declined in science and social studies that were not part of the Common Core. I am Paul Peterson. This is the Education Exchange. Please join me every Monday at noon when our weekly podcast is released on the Education X website.